welcome everybody all weekend long at our plantation campus. Want to say welcome to all of our services happening there. Also want to say welcome to our Gateway campus and welcome also to everyone who is participating, watching, listening online. I know we hear from so many of you from time to time who are in other states, you're watching, you're participating, even other nations, even Germany for crying out loud, they're participating. So I want to say a quick welcome to all of you who are participating with us. This is part three of our ABCs of Financial Freedom series. And guys, I love that we have been hearing so many stories of life change over the last couple of weeks and the Monday night workshops and people who are reading the book and going through it. It's just been incredible, like for real, all day at our staff meeting, like the whole time this last Monday, we just were telling story after story and staff members were reading emails. It was just incredible. We just, we couldn't get them to stop. Like people were so excited. As a matter of fact, my wife and I had uh, someone who walked up to us last weekend at one of our after one of our services and uh, she grabbed us and she said you know after week one it was cool because the principles you know I, I was getting it and I started reading the book and I'm like yeah I need to do this but it was kind of just a, a mental thing and then she said but after this second part it's like something is changing in my heart. Like I can feel this mindset shift that's going on. Another story we heard uh, was of, of someone who, after working through some of the workbook and reading through a few of the chapters, cut up, literally cut up their credit cards and was like, I get it now. I'm never going back to debt. Like that is just awesome, isn't it? You guys, like I, I just love hearing just story after story after story of this. And, and, and let me just review uh, for those of us maybe who are, who are coming into this series in week one. One, we talked about attitude. That's the A of the ABCs. We talked about our attitude, our beliefs about money, and how our, our actions always follow our attitudes. And what we believe about our money impacts everything we do in terms of our money. And then last weekend, uh, we talked about B, which was bondage. We talked about the bondage of debt and how God wants us to have a trajectory of getting out of debt long-term in our life. That That is God's best. That's God's plan. That's God's will for us. Well, this is part three, and so we're on the letter C. And this weekend, in all of our services at both of our campuses, we're talking about choice. We're talking about choice. One of the, uh, the, the, my, my family's favorite shows that we love to watch, and maybe you enjoy watching it as well, uh, is the show Biggest Loser. Any other Biggest Loser? Come on, every, every lift your hand up. Come on, yeah, Biggest Loser fans. I love watching the Biggest Loser. I love eating ice cream while watching the <laughs> Just kidding, kind of. Okay, I love, right? Like, like it, it, here's the thing. One of the coolest things about Biggest Loser, and I always cry when I watch it through the season, is just the transformation that happens in the lives of these people because they, they're, they're learning and they're understanding their beliefs and they're changing their beliefs and they're, they're learning new information about their body and about fat and about healthy food and about exercise. I love that. But one of the things that always stands out to me, whenever I watch a season of The Biggest Loser, is how at the end of the day, there's, there's always this moment in time where the trainers sit down with one of the, the participants on The Biggest Loser and they talk about the fact that it comes down to choice. That if they're truly going to change their life, then they have to make the choice to choose differently. And you know, I got to thinking about that this week in preparation for this weekend and this, this talk, and I started to think about the fact that the same thing is true with our money, isn't it? That 
it's great for us to talk about attitude, and it's great for us to talk about beliefs and, and all that comes along with that. And it's great for us to, to talk about bondage and debt and, and talk about learning new information, and we're reading along in the book. But at the end of the day, when it comes to this area of personal finances, the truth is it really does come down to our choices, the choices we make. So let me ask you a question. Ready? Where have the choices you've made about your money led you? Do you like the destination of where you find yourself financially? I think this is an important question for us to ask right out of the gate as we dig into this idea of choice and the choices we make. And in order for us to find a different destination, just like the people in Biggest Loser, in order for us to land in a different place, to change our financial picture, then we must make a different choice and different choices. And this weekend, I want to talk about the biggest, the most important choice that we can make concerning our finances. We're going to talk about the biggest choice of all. And that is the choice of trusting God. The choice of trusting God. If you have your Bible or a smartphone with a Bible app on it or a tablet device, would you turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 30? Deuteronomy chapter 30. Now, if you have a real Bible with paper and like black ink on it, I would suggest you get moving right now because it's toward the front. Deuteronomy chapter 30. I'm an old school Bible guy. I like reading out of the Bible. None of this digital stuff for me. haha. So Deuteronomy chapter 30. Okay, that's where we're going to be. And let me give us a little background information because we're fine. We're, this passage of scripture centers around a guy named Moses. Now, who was Moses? Moses was one of the great leaders of God's people of all time. Matter of fact, Moses is one of the greatest leaders in the history of the world. Well, where we pick up the story in Moses chapter 30, Moses is literally on his deathbed. He's 120 years old, and he has lived a good long life. He's led the children of Israel up out of slavery, out of debt, out of bondage, out of Egypt, and into this, this place of the wilderness where they're on the edge of just living the dream, the promised land. And so Moses is coming to the last final days of his life. And isn't it true that when someone is on their deathbed, that's really the moment that w where they say the most important things? And so Moses has all of these really important people around him, these leaders around him. And in Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 15, is where we're going to pick up. Moses, basically speaking from his deathbed, addresses these leaders of God's people. And I want us to see what Moses says, these most important last words, if you will, of Moses to the people of of God, because I think they're not only relevant to the people of God then, but I think as we're going to see, they're relevant to us in our day and age as well. Deuteronomy chapter 30, look at verse 15. It says this, see, Moses is talking, I set before you today life and prosperity, death and destruction. In other words, Moses said, listen, people of God, you have been given a choice. Verse 16, for I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in obedience to him and to keep his commands in other words make the choice to trust God trust God's word trust what God said this is the choice that's been front of you he says decrees and laws then he goes on to say you will live and increase and the Lord your God will bless you in the land you are entering to possess verse 17 but if your heart turns away and you are not obedient in other words, if you make the wrong choice, and if you are drawn away to bow down to other gods and worship them, I declare to you this day, verse 18, that you will certainly be destroyed. In other words, you won't ever end up where you want to go. 
You'll never get to that place that you want to get to. You will not live long in the land. You're crossing the Jordan to enter and possess. He said, this promised land this you dream of, this, this ultimate ideal place you want to go, you'll never get there if you don't obey what God tells you to do. Verse 19, this day I called the heavens and the earth as witnesses against you that I have set before you. In other words, he's like, I am giving you this choice before God and the angels and heaven and earth and everybody watching. Here's the choice. I have set before you life and death. Blessings and a curse. Here's the choice again. Now, look what he says. Choose life. Choose life, Moses says, so that you, and and not just you, but your children may live and that you may love the Lord your God and listen to his his voice and hold fast to him. What's happening here? Moses has brought his people to this moment of decision, this moment of choice where he's saying to them, hey, I don't know how to say this any plainer, but you, there stands before you a choice between life and death, blessing and a curse. And there's a way to live your life that brings the blessing of God, and there's a way to live your life that brings the curse of God. And Moses basically goes on to say, listen, when you walk in obedience to what God tells you to do, it will, it will bring the blessing of God upon you. I promise. And next level church, believers in Jesus, followers of God, Christians, I want to challenge us this weekend that the same is true with us, that there is a way for us to live our life in every area of our life, that pleases God, that brings the blessing on us instead of the curse on us. And that's true in so many areas of our life. And you know what? It's especially true in this area of how we handle our money. That there is actually, think of this, there's actually a way for us to handle our money in such a way to make a choice, to be obedient, to do what God tells us to do, that actually positions us underneath the blessing of God. And God promises us, if you will obey me concerning your personal finances, then I will bless you. Well, what is that? Well, what does that, what does that look like? Well, <laughs> Matt, you piqued our interest, bro. Let's get on with it. What do we got to do? What does that look like? Well, good news. Once again, God is faithful and God's word is true. And he actually speaks to us in, in very clear terms about what he wants us to do, the choice he wants us to make concerning our personal finances. And it's found in the book of Malachi chapter 3. Once again, God is dealing with his people who have gone their own way, chosen their own way, made the wrong choice, and are living under this curse of God instead of the blessing of God. Look at Malachi chapter 3, starting in verse 6. Look what it says. I, the Lord, God speaking to his people, do not change. Bam. God's like, hey, I am the same. Get over it. What I told you, I tell you, and I'm going to keep telling you forever. In other words, this applies, okay? I, the Lord, do not change. So you, the descendants of Jacob, speaking to his people, are not destroyed. In other words, I'm not going to do you in. I just need you to listen up because I need you to live in blessing, not curse. Ready? Look what he says, verse 7. Ever since the time of your ancestors, you have turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. He's like, hey, you jokers are going your own way. You're doing your own thing, and it's bringing a curse on you instead of a blessing. 
Then he makes the call to them, return to me, and I will return to you. God's like, hey, listen, if you'll get this right, blessing will come on you. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. But, you ask, God's putting words in their mouth, because he knows what they're thinking. But, you ask, how do we do that? How are we to return? Okay, God, great. We want to return to you. God, we're sorry. Like, we want to prove that we're in. Like, we want to live under the blessing. Okay, God, how do we do that? God's saying, listen, I know what you're thinking, and you're thinking, great. How do we do that? Same question we're all asking, right? How do we live under the blessing of God? Look at verse 8. Will a mere mortal rob God? Yet, you rob You, don't you love the fact that God is having a conversation with himself, but kind of having a conversation with people, but like we get to be in on the conversation and we're kind of in on the conversation all at the same time? I love that. Look, he said, will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how are, how are we robbing it? So God says, hey, here's the deal. You're robbing me. And the people of God are like, well, how are we robbing you? And God answers them in tithes and offerings. Verse 9, therefore, you are under a curse. There it is. You're not positioning yourself under the blessing of God. You're under a curse. Your whole nation, in other words, everyone connected to you is not living under the blessing of God. They're living under the curse of God because you're robbing me. God tells them, here's the deal. Verse 10, look. Here's how you remedy the thing. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. God says, hey, listen, if you want to know how to live under the blessing of God instead of the curse, then here's what you have to do. Bring the tithe, the whole tithe, the first 10% of all your increase, the tithe, one in 10. Bring the tithe into the storehouse. In other words, the local place where you are being fed from God. Bring the first 10% into the storehouse, the local expression of God's church on the earth, his movement on the earth, that there might be food in my house. Okay, here's what I want you to see. When you came in uh, to your service this weekend, whatever service you're in, you're handed a bulletin. Inside of there, there's four statements with some fill-in-the-blanks. I would love for you to pull that out and follow along because I, wanna, I want us to break this down for a second because I want us to see how God arranges it in such a way that he wants us to live under the blessing of God. Okay, ready? Here's the first statement. Number one, write this down. When it comes to our money, the real issue is about control. What was the problem in the Old Testament with these guys? The problem was... They wanted to have control of their money. They, they didn't want to do it God's way. And God said, listen, it doesn't work that way. When you get in line with my word, when you do what I say to do and honor me with the first 10% and bring it in and present it to me, then guess what happens? The blessing, the full blessing of God comes on you. But at the end of the day, it really is about control, isn't it? And what's true for them is true for us, isn't it? Can we be honest? When it comes to our money, we want to be in control of where it goes. And we think somehow, some way that we in control of 100% can somehow be more effective than we being in control of 90% and God being in control of 
See, we talked about this a couple weeks ago. Remember the idea of lordship and the idea that, that Jesus is not just our savior, but he wants to be our Lord. In other words, he wants to have control, rulership, dominion over us. But the bottom line is that requires trust, doesn't it? And that's scary. That's scary for some of us, for all of us, for crying out loud, to say, God, I'm going to trust you to take control of my finances. See, at the end of the day, this whole tithing thing, this whole putting God first in our finances really, really comes down to an issue of trust and control. Do we trust him? Will we choose to trust him? And here's what I want us to see. Because the children of Israel didn't trust God, they weren't putting him first in their finances by bringing the tithe into the storehouse. They were out of fellowship with God. And because they were being disobedient in this outward area of how they handled the first 10%, they were living under a curse instead of a blessing. Here's the second thing. Write this down. A break in fellowship brought a curse on them, and not just on them, but it brought a curse on their children and their land. Here's the deal. They could never experience the full life God wanted them to live as long as they were out of fellowship with God. They were robbing God. Parents, let me talk to us for a second and, and by way of illustration, right? Okay, Imagine if, if, if you're a parent, imagine that you found out that one of your children was stealing from you. And that when you would leave the house, they would find your wallet or find wherever you keep your cash, whatever. And they were stealing money from you and going out or they'd steal things. They'd go and sell them and keep the cash. Okay, okay. As, as parents, I don't know about you, but like that, that's horrifying to me. Like to think about the fact that my children would steal from me. Like, what, a, what an awful thought, right? And here's the deal. No matter how much we love our kids, no matter how much we want to provide for our, our children, no matter how much we want to bless our children and give them everything and just, just provide like crazy for them, here's the thing. If your kid is stealing from you, there's no way that's possible. If your kid is, is robbing you, is taking from you, then it will be impossible for that child to live under the full blessing of that parent. And that's where God's children were. That's where they found themselves. And so they look at God and they're like, God, what do you want us to do? God, we're sorry. God, we don't want to live like this anymore. God, we don't want to be on this break of fellowship between us. We don't want to be under a curse. God, we want to be under a blessing. How do we prove it to you? And isn't it interesting? Does anybody else find this interesting? Isn't it interesting? That when God says, hey, I want you to be in right fellowship, right relationship with me, not under a curse, but under a blessing. And the way I want you to prove it, isn't it interesting that God doesn't say is I want you to go to church every weekend. I want you to serve every week. Use your gifts, talents, passions, and abilities, right? That's a phrase we use around here at Next Level all the time. To serve me. You know what? If you want to prove your allegiance and prove that we're in right relationship, then you know what you need to do? You need to get in a connection group. You know what you need? You need to, you need to honor the Sabbath. You need to, if you really want to prove that you're in right relationship with me and your heart's in the right place, then you know what you need to do? You need to not drink. You need to not smoke. You need to not cuss. You need to not chew. And you need to not go out with girls that do. 
isn't it interesting of all of the things that you and I think in our mind would be something that would prove our love to God, prove that we're in relation, right relationship with God, that of all of the things that we would be tempted to think, that's how you do it, that's how you prove it to God. Isn't it interesting that God didn't list any of those? You know what he did? He pointed to their money. And he said, you know how you prove it outwardly? You know how you position yourself, not under the curse, but under the blessing, the full blessing of God? The way you do that is by honoring me with the first 10% of your increase. Wow. Why? Why would God say that? You know why? I think the reason why God points to our wallet is because he knows that our money is the closest thing to our heart. Plain and simple. Madonna had it right. We are living in a material world, and I am a material girl. <laughs> it's true, isn't it? We live in a money world. And money is the thing that's closest to our heart. And so God knew more than church attendance, more than serving, which all of those things are awesome and important, of course, yes. But more than all of that, God knew, you know what, will really be the indicator that you are serious. You know what will be the indicator that your heart is full in with me? It will be when you honor me with the tithe. When you bring the first 10% into the storehouse where you are fed, that's the thing that will make the point that your heart's in the right place. So, so check this out, because here's the greatest part. I love this. When we do that, number three, God attaches a promise to it. God attaches a promise to the tithe. Look what it says. Verse 10, it doesn't stop where we left off. It continues the thought. Look, he says, test me in this says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. What? Ay, ay, ay. That's crazy. Seriously? What if that verse is true, you guys? What if it's true that when we honor God and bring the first 10% into the storehouse where we are fed, that he will throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing on so many areas of our life that we won't even have room enough to store it. Guys, listen, when we honor God with our finances and make that choice, he promises to take care of us. And this is the coolest part, number four. He commands us to test him. Okay, everywhere else in the Bible, God says, don't be testing me. Don't be testing me. Don't be testing me. Don't be putting me to the test. Don't be putting me to the test. Except for the one area where he says, hey, I'll really know you're in if you do this. In other words, God says, hey, this one area that I'm going to test you big time on, your money, is the same area that you get to spin it around and the minute you start tithing, say, God, you better. That's awesome. This is the one area where he says, I dare you. I 
dare you to put me to the test. Yes, it's great to change your attitude. Yes, it's great to attack debt and cut up credit cards and get out of debt and live different and change your mindset. Yes, but you know what the greatest choice of all to live underneath the full blessing of God in our life is? It's this test where God looks at us and he says, if you will bring the first 10% into your storehouse, I will bless you. It's a test. It's choice. It's choice. Some people ask the question about this whole tithing thing. They say, okay, well, well, you know, are we supposed to tithe on the gross of our income? Or are we supposed to, you know, tithe on the net of our income, like after taxes? Okay, here's, here's the thing. Every time I hear that question, I, I have to laugh because this is, this is not about trying to figure out what the minimum is that we can do to please God. Like, did you catch that? And Like, this is not about, okay, well, Lord, if you'll give me the bare minimums, then I'd be happy to try and slide right under that. No, 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 no. It's not about that. This is about us living under the full blessing of God. So, so for, for me, I go, the full blessing of God is, God, what do you want me to do? Then, God, I want to do that because I want to live under the full blessing of God. So gross or net, gross, that's the full blessing of God. And let me make this distinction. Listen, there's a difference, according to the Bible, between the tithe and an offering. See, a tithe, according to the Bible, is this first 10% that we relinquish control of. And we say, God, I trust you with this. I bring it into the storehouse where I am fed my local church. And I trust you with this tithe. And I give you control. Now, an offering is when we give above 10%. And the Bible speaks to this as well. Here's the thing. When it comes to the tithe, we don't control that. The lordship is God. When it comes to an offering that we give, we have control over that. We can designate that. So, so here's what that means. That means that when it comes to our fir- the first 10%, the tithe, that we're not going to give a part of it to a missionary or to a missions organization, and we're going to give a part of it to a sponsorship thing, and then we're going to give a part of our, our 10%, our tithe, uh, to the local church, and we're going to give a part of it to a charity downtown. No, no, no. The tithe, according to the Bible, belongs to the storehouse, to the local, to bring that to the storehouse, that there might be food, that his mission on the earth might be fully funded. That is God's will. That's what he wants us to do with the tithe. Then he says with the offering, designate like crazy. Be generous like crazy. Do whatever you want. The tithe belongs to the Lord. That's that's what the word of God says. He says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. A few months ago, my wife and I were having uh, dinner with a couple who's been in our church for several years now, and they're very, very successful business people here in our community. As we were sitting across the table from them, um, we were talking, and this issue of tithing came up, of of giving God the first 10% of our increase, of our finances. And uh, the, the husband looked at us, and he's in his 50s, and he looked at us and he said, hey, this whole tithing thing, because they've been tithing for about two years. He goes, hey, I'm mad. And I'm like, oh, dear. Really? He goes, yeah. I'm mad that nobody ever told me about this before. He goes, I can't believe I have lived my entire professional life and nobody ever told me 
that if I would put God first and bring the first 10% into the local church, that he would bless my business the way he has. I'm upset that nobody ever told me about this secret to being financially free. And I just looked at Sarah. She looked at me. And we just looked at that couple and said, well, you know now. You got to help us tell other people. Guys, listen, I'm telling you. We will never become financially free the way God wants us to, the way we want to, until and unless we're tapped into the secret of making the choice to tithe. So when you came into your service this weekend, both of our campuses, on your chair was a card. Would you reach down and take that out? Will you reach down and find that card? It has a financial freedom on it. It looks like this. Reach down, take that out. Come on, I want all of us to look at this, okay? Because here's the challenge to us that I want to make, and I believe the Lord wants us to make this weekend. And that is this challenge. Listen, whatever your picture of financial freedom looks like in your life, I'm telling you, you will not get there unless the full blessing of God is on your finances. Your financial picture will never become what God wants it to become and all that it can become until and unless we're putting God first with the first 10% in our finances. And here's the challenge that I want you to make this weekend. Will you make the choice? To put God first, to bring the first 10% of all of your increase into the storehouse, the local church where you are fed, this local church, that there might be food in the house. Here's what the card says. It says this, I am deciding today to trust God in my finances. I believe what his word says about tithing and generosity, and I am putting him to the test. I will live a life generosity and then there are two commitments the first one is i commit to begin tithing on a regular basis to next level church and the second is i commit to continue tithing because many of you get this principle already and you're bringing the first 10 percent. and this is a re-up opportunity i commit to continue tithing on a regular basis and give above and beyond regularly to next level church as a way to set up online giving whatever right there fill in a few things here's the deal i'm challenging you I'm challenged. There's a pen, I think, in the rows, that, like every third chair or something, there's a pen. Listen, we want to make it as it, effective for us. To, this is a spiritual decision. Honoring God in our finances is a deeply spiritual decision. And as your pastor, listen, I am compelled. In the same way that I have been energetically and passionately compelling and inspiring you to read the book and get the workbook and show up on Monday nights and, and change your attitude and beliefs and get out of debt and bondage in the same, with the same passion and intensity as your pastor. I come to you this weekend and I say to you, will you commit to tithe? Will you bring the whole tithe into the storehouse and watch what God does? We so believe that the principles of God's word in terms of tithing work, that here's what we've done. We've created what we're calling the 90-day tithe challenge. The 90-day tithe challenge, here's what that means. That we want you to trust God with the tithe, the first 10% of all of your increase, bring it in to the storehouse, tithe for 90 days, and here's the deal. If after 90 days you don't think or believe that the blessing of God has come on multiple areas of your life, then here's the deal. We'll give you your money back. All of it. For real. 100% money back guarantee. You know why? Because we believe that the word of God is true. We so believe in the principle of tithing that we're willing to give a money, 100% money back guarantee. And let me say this. If you're watching online or you're participating uh, virtually somehow, here's the deal. 
You don't have the luxury of having a card in your hand, so it's not quite that easy, but there's a website, nextlevelchurch.com slash challenge, the 90-day challenge slash challenge, nextlevelchurch.com slash challenge. If you'll go to that website, there's a welcome video there. There's some information about the 90-day challenge and tithing and putting God to the test. And then down at the bottom, you'll see there's a button that says, I want to take the 90-day tithe challenge. Click that button and fill out that form. Why? Because we believe God's word is true. And so, Next Level Church, I'm, I, every, come on. Do you want to be financially free? Do you want to see God bless your finances and bless your life? Like you can't even imagine, this is the secret. This is the secret. And the most successful financial people in the world understand it. So here's what I want to do. I want us to pray. I want us to pray over this commitment. This is a deeply spiritual commitment for so many of us. And the light bulb's coming on. The scales are falling off, and it's scary, and it's, and it's crazy. But it's an issue of trust. Will you make the choice to trust God with the first 10%? Let's pray together. Father, thank you that your word is true. Father, thank you that right now across our campuses you are speaking to so many of us, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of us who have never heard this thing before. And God, I just, I thank you, Lord, that this day, this weekend, everything changes. God, thank you that our children and our land and our, our, our possessions and our jobs and our careers, God, thank you that we are moving them underneath the full blessing of God. And Father, I thank you that so many of us are making this commitment to tithe today. Jesus, it's scary. Jesus, it seems a little crazy. And it requires faith. But God, we thank you that you are the God who honors our faith. Father, we want to be financially free. And we believe that it all begins and ends with putting you first. So God, we ask your blessing upon us as we live financially free honor you. In Jesus' name. And everyone who agreed and believed at every campus said,